What's up, Kyle? My name's Garrett. I'm from Watsonville, California, just south of your hometown of Santa Cruz. I am coming to you right now, just driving back from the coast of Oregon, Newport. Had a little morning surf and trying to adjust to some freezing cold water up here. Love the podcast, man. Love everything you're doing. The world needs to hear it. And I'd love to buy you a beer sometime, man. Thanks for everything. Have a good one. Thank you for sending that in, Garrett. I hope that your trip is going well. I love the Oregon coast. Beautiful place. Everyone, I have a very exciting announcement. For the past few months, I have been working on a project with my buddy Chris Ryan, and we are finally ready to tell you about it. There are already plenty of awards that celebrate efforts to protect the natural environment. But let's face it. Mother Earth is losing, and it's time the winners got their due. The Motherfucker Awards celebrate the forces that have done the most for the destruction of our planet. Categories include Earth, Water, Wind, Fire, Spirit, and Reality. At a raucous Academy Awards-style event, famous comics represent those that caused the most impressive damage in the past year. We prompt the comics with basic facts about their quote-unquote achievements, but they create their own acceptance speeches. This event will be at the Miracle Theater in Inglewood on December 4th, and you can get pre-sale tickets for $15 now at themotherfuckerawards.com. It's by far the most exciting project I've ever worked on, and we have such a talented team uh, that have been working around the clock to make this thing happen. Uh, We've got some big-name comics involved, and it's going to be sick! So uh, I won't say any more about that, but head over to themotherfuckerawards.com to get your tickets before it sells out. It's just so fun. Um, You're going to hear me talking about this a lot in the weeks ahead because December 4th is the big night. This conversation is with the founder and editor of The Inertia, Zach Weyberg. I write for The Inertia. I have a monthly column with them. They are an alternative surf media outlet. They amplify voices within our surf community that aren't typically heard. They have some interesting stuff, so you can head over to theinertia.com to check them out. And with that, please welcome to the show, my man, Zach Weyberg. Kyle Tierman here. I'm in Cape Town. I was the only journalist in northern Nigeria. Not an adventure until you get lost in Tijuana. You get caught inside by a giant wave, you feel really alone. I love the adventure of waking up and not knowing what will happen and that being my job. I'm standing at a desert oasis right now. A lot of tourists don't see this part of Bali. Smiles and thumbs up. Thumbs up. Sure, go for it. Yeah, yeah, you're in Europe. Yeah, and and got to check out Galileo's instruments. And I think, I think he actually one of the last things he did. He had his middle finger preserved, flicking off the world for everyone who doesn't believe in science. Really? And I thought that was that's gangster. Among all of the things that he did, I thought that was pretty cool. That was pretty punk rock. That's very punk rock of Galileo to do. And that's what science is. 
What is science? Punk rock. Science is very punk rock. Yeah, when I was in eighth grade, I did a project um, representing Galileo's uh, work with the uh, around our solar systems um, because he was the one who argued that we are not the center of the universe and that we revolve around the sun. So I got a beach ball. And it was like a handball, and I painted it yellow, and I cut a hole through it, and I put it over my head, and then I put a um, like a stake in it up with all of this fishing line going out, and then I put little planets attached to the fishing line, and I got up in front of my class, and I basically like did a hula hoop <laughs> with this beach ball, nice. or the, uh, the handball around my head to argue Galileo's point. Oh. Yeah. I, that was a good visual. Yeah, he like he got, I would have been. I would have understood it. Yeah. Sometimes you have to need to see things to understand them. Yeah, visual learners. Yeah, um, yeah. I I respect science quite a bit. I um, you know who Sam Harris is? You ever heard of him? I, I name he's, sounds familiar, but no. He's a um, a philosopher, okay. and um, I'll I'll read you a quote that I actually oh, just it's, right. a, it's a Sam Harris quote that I just wrote down, and this is about like us being the center of our reality and. And all that fun stuff. How often do you write down a quote that moves you? Um, probably once every few days. I've That's a nice practice. Well, it's just some people have thought about a subject in such a, such a uh, precise way that it feels like it could never be said any better. And Sam Harris, sure. is, he's a scholar and philosopher. He has a great podcast. Um, but it's like when someone gets a subject right, it attracts me to that almost in like, it's almost like sexual for me. I'm like, damn, that was, oh, you nailed it. Anyway, it's um, at the end of this book called Waking Up, and it's uh, a guide to spirituality without religion. Um, and the quote is, because he, he is very much uh, secular and um, uh, evidence-based, but he also thinks that people, um, atheists, can sometimes throw out the baby with the bathwater and that there is a huge amount to be gained from meditation and spirituality. So this is the quote. We are always and everywhere in the presence of reality. Indeed, the human mind is the most complex and subtle expression of reality we have thus far encountered. This should grant profundity to the humble project of noticing what it is like to be you in the present. However numerous your faults, something in you at this moment is pristine, and only you can recognize it. Open your eyes and see. Wow. What are your thoughts on that, Zachary? There's a lot to unpack there. Um, well, I do... I guess maybe the first thought that kind of I really appreciate or latched onto from that is is I love it when I think it is so distinctly human to like really get analytical about anything and ever think it through really hard. Yeah. Like that and and I think maybe this is similarly to how you feel when you see a thought that is a very precise thought like there's something really attractive about that to see you exercise that right that curiosity the ability to look at something from like so, not just the angle that you're supposed to just really question something very hard right with like objectively which i guess is points to this science idea yeah 
Um, and, and even if it's not uh, in a scientific way, like yeah. I, I so appreciate what comedians do where they'll take, they'll look at a rock and they'll look at every angle of that rock until there's no more angles to look at it. Now, and then they'll do that with various subjects in society. And uh, like there is uh, an argument recently that language is a form of, of synesthesia. Have you ever heard of this? You're, do you yeah. know what synesthesia is? Yeah, I guess the way I'm most familiar with it is like you like hear a color, like a color, you see a color. Right. It's like a sensory ability to understand through sensory, whether that's sound or color or. Right. But And sometimes if, but the mixing of sentences. Like if you feel, okay. a, if you feel music in a, in a new way sure. or you, know, you can, some people what have What if like you hear a song and you, and you see blue? Right. Would that yeah, qualify? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Um, but the argument is that language itself is a form of sy- synesthesia. Like I can tell you, I can like tell you a, a story of um, a sexy woman running down a beach and her freckles on her face and long brown hair and blue eyes. And like that gives, that emanates a feeling in you that... Uh, I just gave you from a from a sentence. Sure. Right. So I don't know. I, it's no, I, I fumble. I fumble around in these parts uh, quite often. Yeah, I, we're heady right off the bat. We are. But I, I I have a kind of a theory sometimes around language and talking and just speaking generally that it's like it's like it's just for your own pleasure. <laughs> right. Like not like I like to just hear myself speak or like but maybe it is sometimes that it's just like it it feels good to say whether it's phonetic or it's actually the you think the idea is valuable itself or it's a song or whatever it may be like it it just kind of feels good Mm -hmm. to communicate yeah and like ideally it's coming both ways but like feels good to be heard it feels good to say what you mean like but yeah and but there's really just like it's almost like a primal like pleasure of just like the blah or like a or like a Taylor Swift chorus or like what you know whatever it is. Taylor Swift chorus is a primal pleasure to zap. It feels yeah, it's just good to sing that chorus, you know. Um, Every, that's why millions everyone wants to sing it. Yep, yep. Speaking <laughs> of uh, enjoyment and language, uh, I missed the Evolve Summit, but it sounded like there were some okay. very we missed you very yeah, much. I appreciate being invited. Um, I'd love to come next year, but it sounded like there were some very smart people who showed up there and some interesting conversations that ensued. Yeah, man, it was like, it was like a dream, really. Every, and yeah, everyone, there were a lot of really smart people in the room, but there was just so much like, it was just good energy. It was like capturing and recognizing all of these people that I have so much respect for that are doing a lot of really positive things for surfing outdoors and kind of just bring them together to talk about what they're doing. Um, and all, and not necessarily with people who are exactly like them because it kind of brought the mountain world with the surf world. So there's kind of this interesting mutual respect that was going on. There was, there was also this kind of exchange, like, right. like surf rider was talking to protect our winners. Like, Greg Long was talking to Jeremy Jones about how they're respectively, you know, trying to do their part. And we like we found out that the first donation that Jeremy Jones ever made when he had any you know, money to give to any nonprofit was the surf rider. And he said Chad Nelson was a hero of his. I and saw like Chad he, was yeah, just he, like, what? Like, yeah, yeah, what? that's right. Yeah, yeah, I saw he posted something on Instagram. He's like, yeah. when you meet your heroes, Chad yeah. Nelson from Surf Rider. He couldn't like, believe Fuck it. Fuck yeah, Jeremy Jones. Right yeah. on. 
And so it was just this really kind of, I don't know, it was just this like really beautiful energy. It was yeah. like so fulfilling. Well, you were able to be a conduit to all these different worlds. And it seemed like that was a snapshot representation of the kind of business that you wanted to run. Yeah. Right? Like it seemed like, I, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but the inertia, what I see it as is... Um, it's an effort to bring voices up who wouldn't otherwise be heard from a variety of different worlds. Sure. Um, and to be able to do that in a real life way where it's not just digital voices, but these people are meeting each other and able to give speeches. Um, it, it gives you, uh, probably a very satisfying feeling. It was, it was the best thing I think that we have ever done. And I've ever done like professionally like in my career. It was just, yeah, that was, it was, it was the physical manifestation of like what I'm hoping to contribute to surfing outdoors. And I think that I want the inertia to represent in the space. Um, like it was that in the flesh yeah. and that was so cool. And it was all conversations. It was all like people respectfully, like not necessarily challenging one another, but like very open and interested and curious and all coming from like a really good place. Like everyone, like, I don't know, everyone just left feeling good. Like it was so cool to have Cassia like linking up with Gabby Reese and then Tulsi Gabbard and Sal Mass. Like it was all these very different people who are excellent in their own respective ways, kind of sharing their knowledge, and, yeah. but not in a preachy way. Like, yeah, intent matters. And everyone there seemed, uh, are, are people who have the intention of furthering the sport and furthering the evolution of the sport, um, not just in a progressive athletic sense, but also in an intellectual sense. You know, what does our sport want to represent to the outside world? And every event has an intention, whether it's a fucking wild cocaine bender party at the house. Like there's an intention right there. Yeah. There's an objective. Send it and get laid. (laughs) Everyone, whether or not it's noted, there's that intention is there. And to have it be an intention that is kind of bigger than yourself. And, and to, you know, like you work very hard to get all that together. Yeah. And I, like you spend a lot of your time pushing to get <laughs> right. attention and like continuing to knock on a door and then hopefully it opens sure. and then to at, at that moment have everyone in the room and just be able to get out of your own way. Yeah, it was kind of terrifying to be honest. Really? Like, well, as the kind of confirmations began to come in, and I remember when Tulsi Gabbard's office like confirmed, I was like, oh my god, like there's a congresswoman is coming to speak of this thing, which is like a really we had a chance to connect with her last winter. And she went and she paddled out for her. Like she surfs and she's from Hawaii and just voted from with the environment her whole career. And um, when it became apparent that like all of these people were going to come, I was like, oh, like shit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like I hope that we got enough rope to okay. hang ourselves now. Like, you know, because we've never done anything like that. And we're not an event company. In the, like now, you know, in, in, in the wake of the event, I'm trying to figure out what's next for it because it was so fulfilling and um so what were some of the most conversation uh most fulfilling conversations or most important but just interesting conversations that happened there yeah um i think that there are a lot of really good ones i think my favorite one was probably tom carroll and sal masakela which is kind of what the whole in a lot of ways the idea for the event hinged around um 
when we made a short film that we haven't put out yet because we're we're trying to deal with some of the licensing <laughs> issues just so we can show it to the public. Um, but after Tom Carroll won his second world title in, I think it was 1985, he, at the height of his career, he chose to boycott professional surfing in South Africa to protest apartheid, which was a hundred percent unthinkable. And he arguably did not win his another world title as a, as a result um, some other surfers ended up protesting eventually Tom Curran, uh, Martin Potter, some others. Um, but like that wasn't a unanimously welcomed decision by any means in surfing. He was fined the ASP, like a lot of his peers. It was a, it was a kind of like a, a falling out point for him and a lot of his peers. Um, and in the rest of the world, South Africa was not invited to the Olympics. Like, the, the whole rest of the world, and as far as the, the consciousness of, of sporting organizations, it's like until you address this this issue, which is you know a, a huge like human rights issue, like we, you cannot participate in a global scale. But surfing was like, yeah, you know, like, and granted, um, you know, it was really in its infancy. It, and the, and the, I think the people who are pushing back, like they're like, we we don't have the casual the luxury of like taking political. Let's we want to make like a thousand dollars a year. That's what we would like to do. Tom, stop, you know. And so, like to their defense, you know, that was kind of the idea. But like, no one knows that story about Tom. Like, there are very few. And, I didn't and, know that story. And and um, so we told that story. And Sal Masakela interviewed him. And Sal's dad, who recently passed, and he he's inextricably tied to the anti-apartheid movement. His 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 music, like it is, it's you know, to in lockstep with with Mandela. Um, and and Sal's talked a lot about his experience being an African American surfer and, and things he's had to deal with. And then with Mikey February qualifying the tour, and it was just a really powerful interaction it was just raw because you know it's something that means who's michael february he's a quicksilver surfer he's a he's a black dude from south africa that made the tour um so that in itself is is remarkable oh sorry you're good um <laughs> um so Everyone kind of got to watch this really intimate exchange between Sal and Tom, who, like, you know, a lot of people have a... They've just... They've done remarkable things in their lives. Yeah, and so he interviewed him at the event, he and there was an audience him there. after the, That's the cool. short film played, and they hugged, and, like, kind of, like, tear-shedding. And then on the heels of that, Tulsi Gabbard kind of gave this, like, rallying cry, like, what can you do? How can you... What's your entry point to... To being helpful yeah. in some way, <laughs> not um, being apathetic, right? And and then that was on the heels of um, Leah Dawson and Caroline Gleick had this amazing conversation about about women's repre- representation in, in surfing outdoors, about pay parity, and like at that time, like there's the, the um, Sophie Goldschmidt was in the audience listening to all of this happen too, and and it was just. There's just a lot of really cool conversations and they were all in like a very positive, productive spirit. There was no like antagonistic. It was just, I don't know. It was Rad, just man. Very Congratulations. Thanks. That's, that's exciting. <laughs> yeah. You should feel proud of yourself. Um, yeah. Have you ever seen the movie Icarus documentary? 
No, but I know the uh, the fable, and I'm I'm trying not to fly too close to the sun. <laughs> right. So yeah. So the fable is the um, the horse with wings that flew too close to the sun that had wax wings and it melted and, and died. But uh, it's a documentary. It's on Netflix. It's awesome. Uh, I think it won the Academy Award for best documentary. But it's all about um, steroid use in the Olympics. Okay. And um, Russia cheating and this guy who embarks on this journey as a cyclist and he wants to prove how easy it is to still um, cheat um, in in cycling post Lance Armstrong and all this. And he he meets this guy who is a Russian who was the head doctor for the Russian Olympics team um, who helped them cheat. And he uh, demonstrably proves that the Russian Olympics team cheated in the Sochi Olympics. And he argues that um, that sports has this huge impact in politics. Mm-hmm. And once Russia took home all these gold um, medals, it emboldened the population because Putin's... Um, popularity rose so much it emboldened them to uh invade i believe it was crimea okay um i could be getting that wrong but he but it's an interesting example of how sports shape um policy um and you know it it is not just uh a game when people win you know and it's not and and there is a place i think for athletes to speak up um, sure. on behalf of their countries and on behalf of issues. And, and it can move the needle uh, a lot more quickly when they do. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I totally, I believe in that idea. Like there's ping pong diplomacy, the idea that, that sport can make it, whether it's, you know, breaking the ice in conversations. Um, what's ping pong di- diplomacy? What's that? Concept? I can't recall exactly yeah. which conflict this took place after, but the idea was that we'd break the ice with you know, reducing of tensions by having a game of ping pong between uh, the countries. Okay. Gotcha. I wish I could remember exactly where that came from, but that's the idea. And I think that that works across a lot of different sports. And and I think that this thing with Tom, it's like really celebrating the idea that taking a stand for something that you believe in, despite the risks is valuable. And, and it's maybe never been more topical than right now. And especially like with, that was pretty interesting. And Nike went all in with the Colin Kaepernick. I can't, you know, I, I, I interned at Nike for a summer, and like I could see an idea like that, like bubbling around or being in conversations, and like to see it go to the top and then executed. Like I, I think that's pretty cool. Yeah. Um, but obviously, that's a very divisive topic in America today. Well, you know, it's like play your sport and then get go home and then play your like don't don't say anything other than score the touchdown or you know make yeah. the putt or whatever it is so yeah well as you said sports is uh it's an entry point to a lot of more meaningful conversations so i think that discussion is the answer there's no it's it's really easy to make these issues be black and white i think that apartheid is like very literally a black and white issue but i think that a lot of other ones and i want to ask you about the women's pay uh gap and your thoughts on that like the best thing to do is to start off with discussion sure, and knowing that everyone has good intentions in the room. Yeah. Um, because I, I think that now more than ever, we are polarized. Um, our country is kind of is separate and thoughtful discourse is um, the most important thing that we can be doing. Yeah. So tell me, that. yeah. So tell me about the pay 
the pay gap and what happened with this. I just read the article that you guys you read posted. Piece? Yeah. I'm really proud of that piece that Dylan wrote. I right. think it was really good. Yeah, it was it nuanced. It was really fair. It was and super fair. Yeah. Yeah. It, so. So explain for people who don't know what's happening. Okay. So I guess that, when was, was that two weeks ago? Or, yeah, it was about two weeks ago now. So <laughs> this feature is not, it's not as timely as it could be, but, um, WSL recently announced pay equality for the men and the women, um, across all of the tours, I believe they and that is a huge monumental advancement and potentially, you know, as an example for all of sport to follow. And there's nothing you can say aside, like, you know, you cannot knock that. Um, and I think that, that it's what Dylan's piece did is it looked at, at this adjustment with a bit more context and a little bit like just looked at it a bit more closely. Okay. Um, so what was the controversy around it? Uh, well, not necessarily the controversy. I, I'd say, um, well, first we want to know, what does it cost? What does it cost to do that? Because that that's not a trivial detail. That is like the detail. <laughs> if the announcement is a financial announcement, then... Um, right, if the WSL can't be profitable by making a change, but like by making this kind of change, like that's something that we should take note of which can't be profitable like would but also what does it actually cost right so did you get those numbers not from them okay um so i mean essentially by doing some rough math just looking because they, they the wsl did say that um they wouldn't be reducing the men's pay which was a consideration and potentially on the table um last month as according you know as far as we know or, or we're told um so if the delta is not going to come from reducing the men's pay and it's going to be coming from increasing the women's, and that would cost about $1.4 million um, across the tours. I'm not sure if that does include the WQS, which would be a meaningful um, addition. But that, I, I don't know. That's in the grand scheme, like that's not a lot of money to make an entire sport equal. You know, like... Um, I think it's 0.03% of Dirk Siff's net worth. So like that probably that's entirely speculative would be like substantially less than like any holding in his Dirk his Ziff investment is, portfolio. Dirk Ziff is the owner of the WSL. And it's primary in, yeah. Right. Bester and backer. And, and he believes in, and he seems to have a, a good heart and he believes in surfing, you know, and, um, and the, the, the sport has definitely benefited from his interest. Sure. So what was the controversy around the Mavericks event? So that's like very nuanced and complicated. And I can't even like can't speak walk to uh, into. Ultimately, I, I believe that the women were pushing very hard for equal pay at Mavericks. It was not necessarily going to be. It was not. It didn't seem like it was going to happen. Um, then the committee for equity in women's surfing, which has some of the, you know, Bianca Valenti, um, Sabrina Brennan, Paige Alms, Kiala Kenway, a lot of badass women are, are they're, they're really, they've been really fighting very hard um, for this change. Um, I think they went through the government. Right. Um, so Mavericks needs to get, uh, WSL needs to get permits to hold the Mavericks contest. So they went to the commission to fight for equal pay. Uh, and 
it pushed the waiting period back because it was supposed to start in October 1st and it pushed it back to November 1st while they were making these kinds of negotiations. So my understanding of the controversy was that it was kind of given to the it was given to the WSL as an ultimatum uh, and then given directly to the Ziffs who hadn't secured a main sponsor for the big wave tour yet. Right. So it was coming directly out of their pockets, like this equal pay thing. It comes out of their pockets um, before the WSL, the big wave tour at least, had secured a main sponsor for the event. So um, that's that's exa- that's what I know about it. Um, so here's here's a thought that we can chew on and explore. Yeah. What, yeah, sure. So if the women have a, a semifinal and a final, uh, last year they just had finals, and if the men have more heats, so if the men have to surf more times, and if the men are getting the majority of the viewership uh, for these events, should all athletes, even if they have to surf less heats and they get less viewership, get paid the same amount? Well... The decision has been made. It has. <laughs> it has. No, and it made, yeah. and it made the far, WSL look very good, right? So the, I guess, I, yeah, I guess that, I don't know. That's an interesting question. Um, clearly kind of trying to, trying yeah. to back it into like, I guess the viewership and like how, how money comes in through it. Um, I guess I'm more interested in like how relatively nominal the adjustment was from a a business perspective when compared with the magnitude of the impact from a social and everything other else perspective. Yeah. You know, like, so to claim that like this is setting now all sports can follow our example. It's like, well, that I would, that would be great, but I don't think every other sport has the luxury of such low overhead. Right. For instance, the top paid WNBA player makes a hundred thousand dollars a year. Steph Curry makes thirty six million dollars a year. Top paid del- women's NBA player makes a hundred thousand dollars a year. You say something like that. Wow. So that's roughly thirty six million dollars for one human being. Right. So like, and obviously, maybe that's not even a fair or good co- comparison. But like, if we are aspiring to make an impact across all global sport, like. <laughs> yeah, can you not is, take it, that into consideration? Sure. Like, can you, I feel like it's challenging to preach that type of adjustment um, when thinking about what it actually required. It required maybe like minimizing the Facebook spend on Q three and four. Right. Yeah. Like. Yeah, for a know, bunch of like, great advertising and uh, a step in the right direction socially that makes surfing look really good. And that's good though. Cause there should, there should be a, a commercial interest mm-hmm. tied to it. If there's not, it's not going to be sustainable. It can't right. just be like this altruistic desire. Like it obviously made sense, but I guess maybe it'd feel better to, <laughs> to have a little more transparency or like acknowledgement of the, you know, the, the commercial logic. I think it's important. To, of which I think it's lot. important to recognize what the WSL has done for surfing yeah. in general. Yeah. Um, and to treat them like the big bad uh, corporatists is short-sighted. I'm not saying that you're doing that. Obviously, we're just exploring this rock. Yeah. Um, and I I think it's interesting to do it. I, I, and, sure. I, and I actually don't have my mind 
made up about it seems like a very good thing. Um, it's totally good. And it's hundred percent good. And it's important to, to look at all angles of these things. Um, so we shall see. And I'm happy that all of the events are moving forward. I would be, <laughs> I would be bummed if this created a gridlock situation where, uh, events can be run. So that is, uh, it's exciting times. And, yeah, when awesome. you, and I'm excited to see someone like Paige Alms, uh, charge Mavericks cause she's a fucking badass. And you're, you're someone who has firsthand experience and knowledge of what that means and feels yeah, Paige is really good. I've I've seen her out there. She's just a very good small wave surfer too. She shreds. Yeah, that's cool, man. Um, where to go next? <laughs> what are we going to talk about next? What other controversial subject are we going to talk about next? Localism. Oh yeah, th- you've got something in the cooker on in in defense of localism. In defense of localism. Well, I think that. Uh, like many issues, this is one that should be explored, and it's easy, especially in the age of uh, digital outrage, um, to see localism only as a bad thing. Uh, and I, what are your thoughts on it? Before I tell you mine, my thoughts on localism. Yeah, what are your experiences with it? I know that you guys run a bunch of uh, publish a bunch of articles uh, on localism. What are your thoughts on localism? I guess maybe like one of the first things that comes to mind is like, I don't know. Sometimes I feel like there's this really disingenuous version of like Southern California localism at different places that doesn't, that feels so forced and, and silly that's taking place like beneath like the Ritz Carlton at Salt Creek, um, you know, beside one of the most affluent coastal communities on earth where people are kind of performing this like tribalism that's such bullshit (laughs) that it's like silly almost to to experience and like look up at the ritz and be like what is happening Hmm. what's going on right now i don't really surf salt creek so i can't speak to that that was like me I just remember seeing, like, when I lived down that way, I just remember seeing and see, experiencing and just like, what is going on? So, like, I don't know. My, I guess my experiences with it more now, like, in, like, an L.A. way are weird and silly. And then, I don't know. I guess you could make a strong case for for having some, for hi- hierarchy um, and for an enforcement of rules. But, like, I don't think it needs to ever get to a point of, like, unfriendliness. And maybe... I think a good example, like I, I just, not just, but recently was on a trip to El Salvador um, with Cassie and Metter, Leah Dawson, and Lola Mignot, and we're putting a, a short film out about that soon, but there was a vibe out there, like those pretty aggressive and like machismo and like unfriendly. You guys surfed La Libertad? We surfed Libertad, and we surfed Las Flores mm-hmm. and Punta Mango, and I have to say like it was so cool for like... Cassie is just like a big glowing smile and like orbit of positive energy. And it was so disarming in the lineup because people just be like, why am I acting like a dick? I don't have to do that. Yeah. I could just not do that. And like to feel that energy and they rip, you know, and like Leo was catching like the biggest bombs and like, oh, she's great. It was very, it was disarming for everyone there. There, everyone like thought to themselves like, why is the default right now at this crowded point break? It's a finite resource. It's hard to get the waves. Like why? But like, why is our attitude like, "Fuck you"? I want the wave. Like, 
when they appeared, it made people fundamentally question how they felt. You could see it happening on everyone, on people's faces. And like, I really, I felt like proud. It was weird. Like, I felt like it was very satisfying to see that take place. Right. So yeah. I, I don't know where that. No, comes, it's interesting. In your- yeah. Well, I'm, as you know, I, I grew up in Santa Cruz and have, uh, bared witness to localism growing up. Um, I have, absolutely told people to go in in certain situations i think that in the digital age it is localism is seen only as a bad thing so localism okay. territorialism i'll use these words interchangeably um and the ocean is a public space uh for people to enjoy and i think that there are varying degrees of localism there for sure are the assholes who have small lives and don't travel and their job is to just be mean to people. Um, and that's bullshit. I think that there are a lot of people who get into surfing, who aren't the greatest surfers, who are unaware of their environment. Mm-hmm. And they make big mistakes, not knowing that they're making mistakes, and then think that when someone tells them to go in, they didn't sure. do anything wrong, and it's just an asshole local. I'll give you an example. I was surfing out at my local wave in santa cruz recently there was a stand-up paddleboarder who would paddle straight to the top of the lineup catch a set wave paddle straight back out to the top of the lineup catch a set wave and on the fourth time i paddled up to him i'm like hey man you're not making any friends by doing this all these other people are waiting in line to catch a wave so please don't do that anymore and he looked at me and he goes fuck you so that yeah. is a situation where he clearly is not uh aware of his surroundings And I was thinking about this, like there are public spaces and then there's also hierarchy within public spaces, Mm -hmm. some of which we, uh, we recognize and respect and some of which we don't. Um, for example, if you go in to do an open mic at a comedy show, for example, if you are just starting out and you suck, you will go first and you will get less time on the mic. And then if someone good, like Dave Chappelle walks in, sorry, he gets the mic and he gets to go as long as he wants. Sure. So in that environment, we respect a hierarchy of skill and time put in. And if you get up on an open mic and you suck and you take more time than you deserved, you will be shamed and people will not like you. Right. And it's embarrassing. (laughs) Now, I think that that intention really matters here. If you just, if you mess up, it wasn't, uh, intentional and you apologize. Right. I think that there is, um, something to be said for that. And I think one, one issue that I hold now with a lot of the social shaming is that it seems that intent and apology doesn't factor into the equation. Hmm. Like there's, there's a huge amount of benefit to what is happening in the Me Too movement, for example. Um, I think that it's awesome that a lot of these people are having their careers destroyed as a result of what they've done. Okay. I think that there are also people who just made a mistake, like they used a word that they didn't really mean or like their intent was not so negative. Right. And their careers are also destroyed. So using that analogy for surfing, I'm kind of mixing metaphors here. I know. Sorry, we did jump. So, so (laughs) if if your intent is, if you go out to a lineup and you mess up and you say, sorry, and you feel that shame, right. I don't think that you should be, uh, 
destroyed for that. Yeah. Right. I think, I think that if you get up onto the mic or you are continuously saying racist or sexist things over and over again, then the punishment should match the crime. But it seems that that now, you know, like it's like in nature, I'm going to continue to mixing metaphors like we only see the attacks, like the worst parts of like the alligator eating the the gazelle or something like that. Right. So we see online a lot of what seems like vicious localism when there's really no context for people to know what led up to that event. Um, and I think that the, the better surfers tend to get hassled less, mm -hmm. not only because they, they are surfing better, but because they respect the environment more. Okay. Um, so I, I'm obviously just this is kind of a huge word vomit then podcasting is a good <laughs> no, no, a good way no. to just kind of throw it all out there and see what yeah what uh comes from it but it's something that I've been thinking about a lot how in certain situations we we respect uh hierarchy like open mics or something right. like that um and in surfing there seems to be less of that because it's such a foreign environment to so many people sure so you think, so I guess maybe what we're splitting hairs or like at odds in some regard on is the definition of localism. Like what, that's like the mechanism to enforce a hierarchy. And I guess my initial association with the idea or word localism is like default mean negative attitude, right. which like doesn't have to be the case because you could explain to someone who made an error in good faith that they did so. And then they'd be like, Oh shit. Like I didn't realize that. Sorry. Right. But then there's also situations where like, you're just being you a dick to be a well, dick. No, but like if the, in different places, it's like the air, like if you've dropped in, if you, whatever it is that you did, it's, it's irredeemable. Right. Like, and then you don't have the benefit of a sincere apology of feeling bad. Like that's like a joke that someone apologizes like, yeah, as long as you feel bad, <laughs> like the like the the well, just it's like as long as you felt actually bad then like okay it's okay yeah well um, it's I don't think it makes it okay but it makes it it means you not as bad it. it's the it difference but it's the difference that. between me pushing you and me accidentally running into you right? right like if I just pushed you right now yeah that shows something about my intent if I accidentally bumped into you that means that it was a mistake right. Yeah. Either way, you'd be bummed if I did that multiple times. If I just kept running into you right. over, over and over, that would be grounds for you to be like, dude, get out of my office. This, this is lame, yeah, right? Stop, stop doing that. Right, and the higher the stakes, <laughs> uh, the, mo a, the more important that is. there's a case to be made, a, yeah, for like safety. Totally. Right? Like if you're, so if you're surfing, a, like I think it's so silly how people try and uh, try and be hardcore locals at shitty waves. Like at in, beginner style waves, all, it's okay, like, yeah. dude, come, this wave sucks. Just mellow out. But if it's at pipeline or something and there's someone being dangerous, there is a legitimate right. uh, hazard there. And I don't think that all surf environments should be this like friendly, welcoming place. Yeah. Just like all comedy clubs shouldn't safety. be. Well, there's safety there's and there's just... Is there safety in comedy? I don't <laughs> no, but I think that not like... It, although there are public spaces, mm. um, there is... There is a kind of um, people. Certain people take comedy, for example, really serious. And even though there's not like a health uh, aspect to it, like there are people who have been at those shows 
performing for years and years and years. So it's something that they care about. And I, I think that we tend to look at locals as just like, oh, well, that's that's silly. This is an open space. But for a lot of these people, it feels like their home. It's something that they take really seriously. Right. So I do try and argue that perspective from time to time and at least just see it from It's from also their space. so weird to speak to it from the perspective of like being in Los Angeles for almost like ten, almost a decade. Like, right. I don't know. I, I think it's it's your concept and idea of localism is so dependent upon where you experience and or participate in it. Right. <laughs> you know? Totally. Because they're just so different. Like being at Topanga versus Pipeline versus they're just all so different. And yeah, sometimes it makes you laugh, and other times it's like very, very much justified. And like, and to kind of your point around, I guess making larger, more, more, you know, larger mistakes in public settings. It's like intent and context matter. And when you, when you like just. You're encouraged to eliminate context, which in some ways I feel like localism encourages to eliminate context. Mm. It's like, um, you know, wrong, incorrect, did wrong, like black and white wrong, like you're fucked. Right. You're in a bad situation now because you did, you broke the rules and it maybe doesn't allow for the context or the... Yeah, you know, so totally, and that's uh, the and that is the kind of localism that the public at large tends to see, which is localism every, with no as in every Hollywood. Fuck movie. you! What are you doing out here? Go <laughs> that's, in, yeah, right? That's what, yeah, people Whereas, look but at and click on and yeah, hmm. but I guess my point is for people who uh, are hardcore locals is you know don't be as much of a dick uh, <laughs> and realize that most people are just making a mistake, uh, but you can still educate them. And my point for people who experience localism and are on the outside of it is to try and be as aware as possible of your environment. For example, if you're surfing a new wave and five locals are paddling out and you've been out there for an hour, maybe it's time to go in because at the end of the day, the whole reason why this this tension exists is because of a supply and demand issue. So that there aren't enough waves to go around. Right. Um, and I think that better surfers deserve more waves and they deserve better waves. Uh, just like better comics deserve more time on the mic. Sure. I think that's a interesting. I mean, it's a self-reinforcing theory. You know, it's like then better surfers will only continue to become better. Sur- like, yeah, but that's, but, but then that's again, a, this, isn't, okay. this, isn't black and, this isn't black and white. Um, I mean, it's also like, it's yeah, it, it but it, again, it's so, it's so hard to talk about this without talking about, each individual situation right and i could argue the point and do argue the point on both sides quite a bit depending on the situation every every surf <laughs> is like very different every time you paddle out is very different it is it is very much so yeah <laughs> i don't know if we got anywhere with that rant but i figured it was it would be well it'd be worth <laughs> it to dive in head first to that pot of stew yeah. yeah. Well, I think you're going to have more developed thoughts on it um, soon enough. Yeah. Oh, thanks. We got a couple beers here. How about that? Yeah, they twist couple. off. Couple. They're domestic. Michelob Ultras. <laughs> Pure oh, I can, gold. I can stay fit. <laughs> I love that their commercial is just, like literally just people working out. It's just people working out. It's just like people bench pressing. Yeah, and like 
There's that beer. huge sign of Kelly Slater on the side of the 405. Just staring at you in your car, getting barreled, drinking. Yeah. He's just staring at the beer and you. Is surfing cool? Are they selling more Michelob Ultras because they're getting involved in surfing? Uh, of course. Guys. Are they? <laughs> I don't know, but they, they just support out to us. Lunch, so. <laughs> Do they support you? They, You're like, they I'm made, not talking shit they about... Made, they made I'm not talking happen. shit about Nicola Vulture they gave everybody. Podcast. They gave everybody beers to drink at Evolve, and everyone... Was very happy. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you're in, <laughs> you're involved in advertising, though. Do you th- like, do you think that it works? What kind of advertising do you think? Do I do works? think about that? It's, I don't know. I mean, it's hard to knock the ocean. It's hard to knock like the you know, and I guess that's kind of a tired conversation, like the a- aspirational light. But it's so beautiful. It's just like tan naked people getting barreled, having the time of their lives when it's like looked at from as far away as possible. Like that's all it is and represents and means and like who like everyone. Well, not maybe I don't know. Maybe some people don't aren't drawn to that. But I think most human like primal instincts are drawn to exactly those things. So, yeah, I guess it represents freedom from concern. Maybe. I mean, it's also like very hedonistic, indulgent. It's just pleasure. It's just joy. It's just like, yeah. But it, but then it's also like a connect. You know, you're not. It's a connection with something far greater than just you. Which like, I thought you, was, was. Go for it. I had a, one of my buddies who's not big into surfing. He doesn't like surfing really. The ocean. He's just gotten into sailing recently. But he was like, when I look in the ocean, I see death. And I was like, whoa. Hmm. What does he mean by that? Like it's. Is there people go to die? Like, it's not it's not a safe space. And, like, that's how a lot of people view it. And, like, maybe rightly so surfers should in some ways think of it that way. But, like, I I don't. I think of it as joy. I think a lot of people that spend a lot of time in the ocean or love it. Like, But he he's, like, generally when I think of the ocean, it's death out mm. there. That's death out there. And, it, you know, like... A lot of people are very afraid of it. Yeah. That's for sure. That's the reason why ocean conservation is so tough to get people interested in is because they look out of that thing and they're like uh, sharks sharks drowning sharks and all the issues are out of sight out of mind I will say that since we started reporting on like mountain and outdoors we've the like reporting on deaths and serious like serious injury has increased substantially I think that it's far more common in snow and mountain um Oh yeah, have some sort of fatalities th- than in ocean sports. Yeah, I just wrote a story uh, on brag course, the brag courses, and um, big wave risk assessment group. Um, so they're offering these courses. I highly recommend people check them out um, for people to become safer big wave surfers. And all of that curriculum was taken from the mountain community uh, because people were dying left and right from avalanches so this group got together to teach basic safety skills and and more than anything um skills to recognize risk because as soon as you get into that situation it means that most likely you've done two or three things wrong Mm -hmm. um and cole christensen and danilo and greg long uh and a few other guys they got together and they got the best um Kind of information out there just to be able to recognize risk you know uh everything from that to proper ways to pick people up on a jet ski how to do cpr all this stuff that's um it's it's fun to engage in on that level 
Yeah. But it's, it's interesting also, like, what you know how uh, Cliff Bar dropped a bunch of their athletes a few years ago that yeah. were engaging in what they deemed to be too dangerous of sports. Sure. So, like, Alex Honnold yeah. free soloing. They're like, oh, okay, we don't we like this, but we don't want to be a part of it because yeah. it's too dangerous. And they didn't drop big wave surfing, interestingly, interestingly enough. Right. Because if you look at the death toll in that, it's it's so low. Interesting. It's a difficult argument to make. I thought that that decision was really fascinating. And we did a piece on it when it happened. We talked to Jeb Corliss, who's like a wingsuit guy. Because um, that, that was actually during like the... He did a lot of the point break stuff. And I asked him about it. I think Red Bull Point break too? Yeah, the, the new point break. God, that the movie sucked balls. <laughs> I hate that movie. It was no I was offended. point. That's, I was offended and when I saw that I think, movie. Gosh, I had some really strong thoughts about it too. But I wanted to share this Sorry. point about Jeb. He was just like, you know, if companies don't want to support risk and innovation, that's fine. Like, but there's going to, like, how do we get to the moon? We got into a, a metal pill and then got, you know, like, how do we get across the Columbus sailed in a, in a ship? You know, it's like essentially a. A, yeah, a, the problem with that analogy, that, like we never would have seen gotten to this country. Like, the, if you don't want to support innovation, fine. But there's gonna be ten people behind you that will, you know. And and I was like, I don't have anything to say to him. He's like, if I wanted to die, I'd be dead. Like, you think about. I, I don't know. I, I it was just very interesting to talk to someone like that literally just jumps off of a mountain. Yeah, those guys are crazy. And, I, I've had one of those guys on my podcast. I didn't mean to. Yeah. Finish your thought. No, no, that was it. That was it. He just like took obviously took very strong issue with anyone creating arbitrary um, parameters as to what constitutes risk and what does not in 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 any sort of like extreme sport. Well, it's not arbitrary if you're looking at death tolls. And the problem with his analogy is that when we were trying to get to the moon or when Columbus was trying to find the new world, there was a purpose to it. Like really what you're doing in sports, it's important for you. You're learning more about yourself. You're having an intensely personal conversation with yourself and you're you're learning about what you're really made of when you're out surfing a wave like Mavericks or when you're jumping off of a cliff. But it doesn't do a whole lot for society besides inspire people. So that's something. Don't discount that. And maybe it'll prevent some sort of world war back to circle our conversation from the beginning. Maybe. but But there's... So I take issue with the whole premise of Red Bull, Mm. which is to go further. I don't know their exact slogan, but it's like you just go further, push the boundaries. It gives you wings. It gives you wings. Yeah. Red Bull gives you wings. Um, (laughs) But to what point? Like when I see. What's the objective? What's the objective? Like when I look at a sport like motocross. Where these guys now are doing, trying to do like four backflips in a row, and it's so frequent that they break their backs or their necks or their legs, and mm-hmm. they destroy their lives because we glorify pushing it that far. And there's companies that put that kind of money behind pushing it that far, mm-hmm. and I I see so many people that destroy their their entire lives in their teens and in their twenties. Because we have a culture that supports that, sure, um, and I think that it's 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 different when you are say like a surfer like someone like Greg Long, who's very calculated and he's very much pushing safety in the sport while taking risks. Yeah. Um, I just I don't know, man. I, I I see that mindset of just going further, bigger, faster, no matter what. 
um, as short-sighted and not really what we need to do with society as a whole. Like hmm. this whole idea of growth at all costs for whatever reason is in my opinion, the root of a, a lot of the destruction that we're seeing on earth right now. Right. Yeah, I agree. I agree with that, but I, but I'm not sure I take, but so much issue on, um, with people for whatever, I don't know what motivates them, but they're motivated to push their, to do what is not possible. I guess it matters why. I guess what you're saying is it matters why. Um, like I don't know what, I don't know what motivates Jeb. I don't know what motivates these individuals to like do things that definitely they're putting their lives at risk. If it's just pleasure, if it's just, I don't know. There's but, I, but I don't. But I have a hard time maybe like putting a, like making a harsh or like a, a definitive judgment on right. it because. I don't know. I guess maybe you're you're taking issue with a commercial interest being tied to it, maybe. But like, I think in that's itself, the whole thing. Like, I don't. I guess I don't. It's like, well, if that guy or girl wants to do that thing, like, all right. well, look, <laughs> like, I'm not my argument is going to lose overall. Like, the this is mm. you know how, how I said earlier that uh, I think that surfing represents um, fundamentally carefree people who have freedom from concern mm -hmm. and that's a very alluring uh ideal I, that's the whole thing that like drives oh i want freedom from concern it's impossible and it's also but, not i don't think let, let me finish the thought yeah i think but it's just a very sexy um advertising campaign because that's because we all want that we're all concerned people and we all want freedom from that mm -hmm. um whether we get it in a bottle or we get it by in a wave S similarly we all want to feel like we're pushing our boundaries and that's yeah. why red bull is so intelligent in their marketing of that like if you drink this this energy drink you will be pushing your boundaries to the next level right and we all want that too that is why, like, if trying to argue rationally that, like, ah, maybe you shouldn't jump off that mountain or try that next backflip because it's it's stupid. That's stupid to do for you as a human is uh, that argument will lose because it's less alluring and sexy. It's it's a less primal thought. We're thinking about it from a different a different part of our brain. Yeah, it's not like oh, I want to be that. I want to be that that <laughs> safe calculated rational person that's not it, like right. advertising isn't rational so they're not marketing rationality um and i think that one issue that that i've found and this is kind of like the paradox of my life is trying to shine the spotlight on environmental issues within the context of surfing which in a way makes perfect sense because we're deeply immersed in our environment when we're doing our sport but in another way, it makes no sense because I am marketing freedom from concern mm -hmm. and then mm -hmm. talking about a fundamentally concerning issue. So people yeah. don't want to know about like, right, wait, right. no, no, yeah, no. Yeah, I yeah, just yeah. want to surf the wave. I, that's freedom from concern. I don't want to be concerned with right. all of this. Yeah. So, so that's, I mean, that's what uh, I keep going back to comedy. Like. I think that that is one of the only silver bullets to be able to talk about a concerning issue in a way that produces 
involuntary laughter from people. Right. Man, comedy is such an art. But uh, I don't know. You made me think of a couple of different interesting ideas, I think. Um, one is, well, A, I think I can relate to that situation because I'm really drawn to, like, having the opportunity to pick things apart and, like, under- through through surfing and outdoors, trying to, like, think about interesting issues that are not concern-free. They're, again, similar, you know? However, what if Red Bull offered you $5 million next year to launch your environmental initiative to, you know, and I, and I think a lot of athletes oh, I think find themselves if, in that, that like situation. Oh, totally. No, like, and I, I'm actually not bagging. No, I mean, not, I'm, I'm bagging Red Bull in a, in a way, but like, look, if, if I, if they wanted to work with me, I would for sure work with them because yeah. I think that they do such great media like they do really thoughtful stories as well as just the like quadruple backflip stuff yeah but i'm criticizing that aspect of the culture i'm not I, i'm nuanced enough to not just say like oh that this is a bad company this is yeah a good company. yeah yeah sorry i didn't mean to interrupt you though no that was it like because i think that that's interesting in itself it's because okay but then the stipulation kyle here's five million dollars over the next two years to build out this media program like we love what you're doing we're concerned too. We want to do that. Um, build it out. Like you have to be headed to, you need to have the cat hat every time you have to like, you have to drink the thing and everything that you do. Like after you finish your marathon or whatever, you chug it like and talk like, where, where did, where would you net out on that? Cause, and it's not like a, it's not like a Faustian bargain or, you know, but it's like, it is a real thing that I think will, a lot of athletes deal with. And I think it's interesting because I have a hard time. Yeah. Like, I don't know. I can see those things happening. You're like, what's going Sure. I don't know. Uh, I am, I can appreciate companies more who let their athletes speak their mind. Even if I don't like their product as much, then I, uh, I think that that freedom, uh, and that platform that a lot of these companies give their athletes mm-hmm. is great. And they couldn't do it without that money of and course. that support. I think that when companies try and stifle uh, what their athletes are saying, um, it that's the murkiness of advertising. That's why people don't trust the media anymore is for that reason. It's when advertisers get their fingers too deeply in editorial um, and readers are smart enough to know that that that's bullshit. And in surfing, like we feel it, but at the end of the day, like the journalism that we're doing is pretty, uh, I want to say it's unimportant, but comparatively to like, you know, CNN not reporting on the war in a certain way because they have Halliburton as a sponsor, I think is much more concerning. Sure. I guess I was just presenting a hypothetical scenario where your support is at odds with with like your what you're uh, Dude, accomplishing, I would, and like I don't, I feel like that that those situations happen, and it's like interesting. Zach, I would do unspeakable <laughs> things for five million dollars. Yeah. I would literally go down to Tijuana and participate in a donkey show for five million dollars. Well, that would probably be at the top I would of your be doing contract. It, I'd be doing sure. it for the environment. <laughs> Zach, <laughs> let's save some whales. Get the clicks. You get the clicks. <laughs> Do you know who Neil Brennan is? 
He's a, a comedian who mm-hmm. he's a really well known comedian. If, Does he have if, glasses? He has glasses. I he think was, I saw his. Um, yeah, he was uh, doing th- three mics. cars with. Yes, I saw that. Yeah, so he did and three I've been mics. watching the riding in cars. With yeah, comedians. coffee with Co- cars. I like uh, that coffee, a lot. Coffee with comedians in cars. in cars with Jerry Seinfeld. Yeah, with Jerry Seinfeld. Right. Anyway, Neil Brennan also wrote uh, the Chappelle Show. Yeah, with, yeah, yeah. Wrote I it. saw his three mics thing. And uh, <laughs> his three mics thing, he has this bit about. Uh, he's like. You know, say what you want about Lance Armstrong, but that man raised whatever it was, like $20 million for charity during his time. He's like, so he figured out a way to do drugs for charity. <laughs> right. And he's like, man, he's like, okay, <laughs> I'll do this cocaine to help a <laughs> hundred kids. It's like, all right, I'll do this cocaine to help one kid. Yeah. All right, I'll do this cocaine if it harms <laughs> one kid. <laughs> but he's good. I recommend everyone check out Three Mics. It w- it was good. I I recommend the comedians in Cars the Coffee. Do you ever go to uh, you ever go to the Comedy Store in Hollywood? Yeah, they're great. I do. Yeah, it's that one. I mean, that's a huge like privilege and luxury of be like you never know who's gonna show up and it's pretty amazing. Oh, on a Wednesday just... night, you'll see the best comics in the world. Yep, that's cool shit. Sweet man. Anything else? We've been going for an hour. I don't think so. Like, thanks for coming by. Thanks for everything you do. Yeah. Um. I don't know what I do. I just. We all. None of us do. Ugh. No. One, no one uh, does. I appreciate it. No. And <laughs> and uh, again, you know, back to my point about uh, talking about concerning issues in uh, within a sport that is based off of freedom from concern. I commend you for the Evolve Summit because I think that that's a beautiful example of um, of doing that. And that's our sport should be a conscious one. We are constantly f- learning more about ourselves through um, the ocean, which is a really beautiful medium. And to be able to get people who can speak to that and our responsibility on behalf of that and serve as that conduit is uh, something that you should be really proud of. Well, thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Next year, you'll be there. Who knows what's going to happen next year? Mm-hmm. I'm off to write my localism <laughs> article that I'm sure will just get torn to shreds by all of your trolly commenters. What's up with that? What do you mean? Well, I was almost thinking about talking about We're about to end. No, we can keep going. Why not? Hmm. What do you think about, like... Anonymous internet hate uh, I think that The medium should uh, I think that You should be able to call yourself Whatever you want If you want to call yourself anonymous Blah 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 um, And talk however you want You should be able to do that But I think that The um, platform should know your real name And real email uh, If you start making death threats because I know journalists who who legitimately get death threats all the time. Yeah. Um, my friend Abby Martin is, a, is an investigative journalist, and uh, she has guys constantly telling her that they're going to come to her house and rape her and kill her. And for Twitter to not be able to, or the, whatever medium, right. to not be able to identify that person uh, as a threat and then get give those people to the police, um, that's an issue. But I think that it's if you're getting hate, it's um, it just people telling you you suck. Uh, 
it's a really good gauge that you're doing something that is uh, working. Right. Um, I think it was Willie Nelson said, uh, he said, I don't look at my media individually. I just weigh it. So like oh. if, you, if you weigh your media, like, oh, cool. We're yeah, getting all these that. comments. I'm going to I'm gonna weigh that there, not look at all that. That was like a magic individual. trick to me. What? What you just said, because I was wrapping my head around it, and then I saw it on the scale. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> weigh it, man. And I, cause I think that it's, it's so easy for people to, uh, to, to change what they're saying for assholes mm-hmm. and you should never do that. Mm-hmm. Um, you should talk to the people who you want to talk to and have that, have your voice become clear and know, and know who you're talking to. And then anyone who else, who wants to chime in, who wants to be a dick about it and, and have the intent to not be constructive, um, you should just weigh all of that. Like, cool, I'm getting enough of this that it feels like people are paying attention. Um, so, yeah, I, I mean, I don't take any personal issues with, like, people who say mean things to me, but I I don't get it on, like, the level that real famous people do. Yeah. But it's it's a very, like, zen way of going about things. And sometimes you, you mess up and people can give you constructive criticism. Right. That can be really fee- really helpful feedback. Yeah. So going back to this com- this conversation of intent i think that um what you're intending to say with your comment um matters hugely i think that's nice yeah <laughs> weigh your media zachary <laughs> you're doing good work keep it going and thank you for the um thank you for the beer and thank you for the platform to constantly be uh working on my writing um i love doing Dude. the columns for you every single month we love we love having you i'm excited to see where your next adventure takes you they keep getting more and more interesting. Do they? I think so. Huh. Thanks, man. I appreciate it. Well, you're going that. to more varied places, and it's cool. What do you mean? Well, like, we got the porn star thing. We got, I don't know. You're just, you're, you're really tackling, uh, you're really, like, putting the curiosity out there where it leads you. And I think that that's like a, and you're writing down this new quote that inspires you pretty much every third day. Like, that in itself, just the desire to. I don't know, just taking little notes and thinking about them. It's a good thing to do. Yeah, thinking, <laughs> thinking is a fun activity. Well, it's a good thing, like, identifying things that, like, speak to you. Yeah. Letting it sink in, and then, like, figuring out where, where that sits for you. Like, that's a nice thing to do, and I it, sometimes I find that challenging to do, and it's like, if you're always on a mission and aware of that, it's good. Yeah, man. It's an exciting time to be alive, and I feel so grateful that I found podcasting. Um, it feels deeply nourishing to me to be able to sit down every single week, sometimes a couple times a week, with a diverse group of people and, and get to the bottom of not just what they do, but why they do what they do. Yeah. It's good stuff. It's Zachary, uh, where can people reach out to you? Theinertia.com? Is that the best place? Yeah. Cool. Just go on the inertia. Shoot me an email. It's just my first name at theinertia.com. Um, Love it. Do whatever. Do whatever. Just have a good day. <laughs> have a good day, everyone. Thank you, sir. Cheers, mate. That's our show. I'm going to play you out with a song called Haves Have Not by a band called Cut You Up. And that is Chris Cote's band. Chris is the former editor of Transworld Surf. And you can go back to episode 105 to listen to that one. Um, that was a really good one. Um, highly recommend that episode. 105 with Chris Cote. All right. Um, until next time, go get your tickets to the Motherfucker Awards at themotherfuckerawards.com. And if you want to send me some audio, 
you can record it on your phone using the voice memos app uh try and keep it under 30 seconds just let me know who you are where you're listening from some details about where you're listening from exactly in this moment whether you are trimming weed driving through the coast of oregon or on top of a mountain looking down the clouds and all the glory that is below you So, with that, uh, as always, get out in the water, whatever body of water is closest to you, river, lake, stream, or ocean. See you next time.